Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice. And we are here and ready to dive into whatever it is that we want to talk about today in today's podcast. Now listen, Matt, I have missed you. You have been gone out of my life for a couple of days. Um, where were you? Tell me about that. So last week we were at NCCYM, um, and many of our listeners, I think, were probably there as well. Uh, National Conference of Catholic Youth Ministers. Is that right? National National Conference on Catholic Youth Ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where we were. I, like All the acronyms in the church world is just kind of funny. So we were there. And it was uh it was awesome. You know, the the conference itself, I, I I didn't get to go to very many sessions this time because I was going more as an exhibitor to get the name of Ablaze and Ministry Leaders Anonymous and Next Level Ministry out there and to do some recruiting. The conference content isn't really the reason why I go anyway. I just love being there with youth ministers, being there with other people who are in ministry, meeting diocesan directors, pastors. All, all kinds of stuff like that. It's just a lot of fun to to see them, to get to talk with them. And our booth set up this time was a lot of fun. Did you get to see the booth at all on Instagram? Or I never got to see a picture, no. So it was real simple, you know, but we had couches in the booth. And one of the couches was angled towards a TV with a Nintendo Switch on it. And we had Mario Kart playing, you know. And then on the other one, it was just a couch just meant for sitting and talking. And mm-hmm. at different times throughout the whole weekend... I was I was sitting in front of the switch playing video games with a, a new youth minister friend, and then another time I was sitting on the couch and someone would walk by and I say, "Hey, come grab a seat," and we'd sit on the couch and just talk, you know. And that was one of the things that I, I really liked about that booth setup, and uh, and that's like that's where I got kind of the topic for what I wanted to talk about today was sitting on that that couch or sitting at lunch talking to different people about ministry and what their biggest struggles were and different things like that. And we had a great time. It was a great conference. Good. Well, the reason why I missed you was I've been holding the baby. I've been taking the shift uh, between about 8 p.m. and uh, 2 a.m. with the, our newborn. And I didn't have anyone to play video games with during that shift. <laughs> so you can hold the baby. Because you were on a couch at a conference playing video games with other youth ministers. I feel so you betrayed. Jealous. You're jealous. Ah, no, but that's great. So what were what were some of the hurts, hopes, and hungers that, you, that that non-Nintendo couch uh, was able to provide you? You know, the one that I really want to dive in today is all about compensation. I, uh, I met this couple who was in ministry on the couch, and then I sat with them at lunch, and then they came back by a little bit later. But throughout our conversation, one of the things that I, I kind of learned from them was what they were paid for what they do. Mm-hmm. And it was, I don't know, it was kind of sad for me to see, I don't know, the church in a way excuse paying them very, very little because the husband worked outside of the the church and so they they only paid them 500 bucks a month to to coordinate their entire youth ministry program and this is a like almost a 2000 family parish this is not uh-huh. a small program and i was just baffled and i was like oh my gosh and there's no way that they are the only couple or the only minister who's in that same situation and so that got me thinking, okay, we, we, I don't think we've talked about that yet on this podcast. Compensation. You know, are we fairly compensated for what we do? And what are our values? And, and how, do we, how did we get to where we are? And, and what can we do about that to, I don't know, to fix it? You look like you're deep in thought. Like you have a question ready to go. Those of so y'all that many. can't see his face, he is, he is absolutely pondering something. So uh, two things. One, from a free market standpoint, the market will pay what the market will sustain, mm-hmm. right? And so 
Is there a sense of shame on you if you're not fairly compensated? Is there an aspect of that? What type of responsibility do we have? And I think back to when I was at a parish, they gave a stipend to someone who was coordinating the middle school program. Mm -hmm. He said, no, no, don't pay me a stipend. I do it out of the goodness of my heart. And I pulled him aside and I said, stop it. Yeah. Like, fine, (laughs) do it out of the goodness of your heart, but you need to receive the stipend so that the parish has a budget line for middle school ministry. Amen. And you can go ahead, I think it was $250 a month for middle school. You can go ahead and take that $250 and sign it directly back into the collection plate, right back into tithing immediately. But every parish needs to be investing in ministry. Ministry has to be viewed as an investment, not an expense. You, ministry leader are an investment worthy of being poured into from church resources, not an expense. When you are using church resources, you are not taking from the church. You are actually utilizing what people have been giving to the church. It's stewardship. It's authentic stewardship. That's kind of one aspect of it is regardless of what they're compensated, we need to look at the bigger picture of it. Because the other side of it is, as I hear people talk about, well, I know I only make 12 cents an hour, but I'm storing up treasures in heaven. Yeah. Well, when we talk about the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has, we don't mean actual hungers. We actually hope that you're compensated. We're talking about spiritual hungers, desires, personal hungers. We're hoping that you're actually compensated enough to do a few things. And when I look at compensation, I want a couple of things to take place. One, that you can live within the community that you serve. Yep. And so if you're in an area where the average income is six figures at the parish, I don't want you to have to live two towns over across the tracks yeah. you know, in order to and drive in 30 minutes because when you're at the grocery store, your parishioners need to see you as an active member of the community. Absolutely. Live within the community you serve, be able to pay off your student loans, and to be able to save a little bit for retirement. Those three things need to be present when we're talking compensation. And that's hard for a number of reasons. One is we don't just have a salary problem or a compensation problem. We also have an income problem. Yep. Tithing among Catholics is not where it should be, and it's not uh, relative to where our brothers uh, brothers and sisters in the Protestant Church are, and that's a problem. Yep, absolutely. So, absolutely. so those are kind of my initial my initial thoughts. Yeah, one of the things I, I forget who it was I was talking to about this recently, but the church is still learning how to and getting used to paying lay people to do ministry. So yes. how many years ago was it that almost every ministry that the church provided was done by a priest or a religious? 35 years ago, yeah. maybe 45 years so ago. So not long ago. you know, A that, generation. Yeah, all the ministry was done by priest or religious. And that means that, I mean, they were not paid much. That was part of their vocation. They weren't paid anything in some cases, right? Priests and religious? Yeah. Certainly those religious sisters, and, and yeah, and it changed the, the, the laity and the vocations crisis has completely transformed the model of Catholic schools. Yeah. Because you, you used to be able to have Catholic schooling be very affordable because you had a religious sister who had taken a vow of poverty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and now you have lay, lay, lay people, educated lay people, and they are, they have children and mortgages and cars, you know, and so all these things need to be compensated. So... You're absolutely right. That transformation, and I actually think that that transformation has provided bandwidth for some really neat things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but it's also created some challenges. So that's some of the the history we're still trying to overcome. So you have that, and then you also have a lot of people who, and maybe this is why we have people who work for the church as the second income, 
And this is, you know, no statement or anything like that with regards to male or female or anything like that. But typically, the husband is out in the secular workforce making a living wage. And then the wife is working at the church or the spouse is working at the church for less pay because the church isn't ready. Supplementing an otherwise primary income. Exactly. They have the capacity to take a smaller income. Now, it almost kind of connects with what you were saying with your middle school volunteer who was taking the, the stipend is when you have a workforce that is fine with getting paid $24,000 or, or less, then why would you pay more for other people? So then you end up having almost all second income people working for you at the church. Well, what if, you, what if we really need the primary breadwinner to be the minister? you know, to be the person working at the church. What are we going to do then? And so I think, I feel like that's where we're stuck. We don't, we don't end up getting, it's rare that many churches have someone who's the primary breadwinner on staff. Would you agree with that? Or is that just? No, I I, I think that it's, it's very, it's hard to say I unilaterally agree with that since I am the primary breadwinner and I am on a staff at a parish. I see a few parishes throughout our area that invest in ministry Mm -hmm. to a caliber that is acknowledges both the need of the community and the professionalism of the role. And I think professionalism in ministry is a completely another, another topic that would be great to go ahead and tackle. Mm -hmm. But I do see every parish that I'm I'm aware of does have those secondary income people that are present there. And, and sometimes that's great because we need a part-time person to help out with this or with that. And a part-time job can't be a full-time gig. Yeah. And it, it creates bandwidth for maybe younger mothers to have some income. There's all these different scenarios where that's great. But if there's not also those scenarios where someone can have a living wage and throw themselves fully at this, it really does create a challenging situation. You and I have seen it all too often where someone will go you know, out of college and start to work in ministry. And then eventually they'll find their spouse They'll get married, they'll start having kids and realize, oh, well, I thought this was a real job, but it doesn't pay real pay, so I have to leave. You know, and, and it's they, a discouraging exit. It's yeah. a very discouraging exit because they actually desire. They have the desire and they have the gifts to be in ministry. What they don't have is the sustainability. Yeah. And we're called first to be in relationship with God, second, our family, and third, to go ahead and have that vocational element. Now, if the third one doesn't support the first and the second then you've got to leave. And a lot of times it's the second, the family, that isn't supported by the third, the, the position, because they got to eat yeah. and they have to have health insurance. And there's all these other crazy expenses with having kids. It's, it's you're well aware, Mr. Six. Yeah. So we are, at least I assume, that we are a church that values having uh, one of our spouses, one spouse at home, you know, to, to help raise the kids. Doesn't matter if it's the husband or the wife. But having that family unit together at home is, is something that we value. Now, maybe we're losing that. Maybe we actually never had that. But can you imagine going from, I don't know, and how long it would take for a church to go from not paying anyone, like religious you know, or priests, to do the, to do the work, to then having a, someone who has a second income, then to, to, to then having someone who's the primary breadwinner, and then having someone who's the sole breadwinner of the family. Now that's a that's a pretty big jump in forty years, I think. Now maybe it's not, um, but it, it it seems like that's a jump that we haven't quite gotten to. Have, have any churches gotten there though? Do you see that outside of 
like Protestant pastors and things like that? Are we asking, are we trying to squeeze water from a rock? I know that it's possible because of Philippians 4.13. Amen. But is it something that is common practice anywhere outside of Protestant pastors that are leading congregations? Now, again, I've, I've seen this happen not just with pastors, you know, in Protestant uh, organizations, you know, so I wouldn't say it's just Protestant pastors who are able to do that. Okay. And I, and I want to clarify again, I see it in my own life, like I am paid a living wage at the job that I work at. Yeah. And that's, and that's excellent. So there are, but it's not across the board. There's not something like, oh, the Episcopal Church has consistently showcased this is one true, of their true. core values or whatever. There's also a Catholic guilt element. So mm. when we start talking about money, I remember when I was doing my youth ministry internship and we would go out to lunch with the teens, the youth minister that was uh, uh, leading the internship was like, Chris, where's your receipt for lunch? And I said, well, I was going to eat lunch anyway, so I'm not going to turn in the receipt. He goes, were you going to eat at this restaurant? Well, no, I probably would have packed my own lunch. He goes, that's why you turn in the receipt. And I was like, but it feels weird asking for Jesus to pay for my lunch. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I had this weird guilt thing because I didn't want Jesus to go poor. (laughs) You have a pretty small view of God. (laughs) Well, exactly. Yeah. So I needed my own, uh, you know, understanding of Christ to, to be transformed. And it was really neat really neat moments um, when I started turning in those receipts and recognizing, no, this is the parish investing in me, investing in the youth. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Absolutely. Everyone wins except for my waistline. <laughs> you know, we haven't talked uh, any kind of dollar amount yet, you know, on this. And I've seen, you know, the studies that show that the, what is it, the average pay for a Catholic youth minister is between 34 and 36 and that's the that's the average, you know, of all youth ministers. Is that the number that that you've seen as well? I looked at yeah, it before this podcast, so I was just yeah. To go ahead and look at it, and maybe we can have it in the show notes. Allison, um, Allison's one of our uh, new team members for yeah. the Ministry Leaders Anonymous Project YM did a pretty good survey yeah. on it about a year and a half ago. I don't remember it exactly, but it was somewhere in that range. Yeah. And then it looked at well, what about it? Compare it to with a master's degree, without a master's degree, with a degree in re- related field, without a degree in related field, mm-hmm. male, female, number of years in ministry. And they, they were all kind of broken down and every little piece nudged it up, um, it, except for female. It actually nudged it down a little bit on all, all, all the levels. Yeah. Again, another, another podcast, another conversation, another potential injustice in the church. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I had that pulled up before we started the podcast, and one of the things that just baffled me was, you know, looking at education and experience and church size or parish size, it doesn't change, at least on their stats. And I don't know if, you know, their stats are skewed because of who responded or who, who replied. Sure. You have parishes of 500 families and 5,000 5, families paying the same amount for a youth minister's salary. Now, that 5,000 family parish, they may have multiple youth ministers at that level. That would be different. But even like someone who has 15 years experience versus one year experience, there's not a huge difference between their their pay. And I, I don't know, just I would like to, maybe it's worth diving into another study. There's probably something that has a lot more detail in there that shows a little bit more differential. But if there's no difference, between, you know, if there's not a substantial difference between someone who has a high school degree and someone who has a master's degree, someone who has one year experience versus 10 years experience, 
then there's something something wonky. You know, there's something wrong. You know, with the way that we're compensating Sy- our ministers. It's a systemic problem. Yeah. My only hope with the bigger the five hundred the five thousand versus the five hundred. My only hope is that means that they have ten ministers that they've hired to do that work, and that's why the salary is the same. Is because there's ten of them. Yes. Because yeah. it's ten times the work. But my experience from kind of going around the nation and, and doing what we do, that's not the case. Yeah. Usually you'll see an extra minister right around a parish size of like 3,000. Yeah. And maybe one more once you hit the 5,000, 6,000 mark. Yeah. And uh, and then you get to 8,000 and you get a guy with a guitar or a girl with a guitar, <laughs> a music minister or yeah. something like that. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, um, I... I've always, you know me, I tend to dream relatively big with regards to things like this, and maybe I'm naive or just hopeful or what, but if uh, if a parish decided to start paying 80 grand, 90 grand, 100 grand for a youth minister, they would have their pick of the best youth minister in the nation. Yes, even if they're currently employed, they'd be able to pluck yeah. any youth minister they want. They could wanted. handpick almost anyone. Yes. And that's like, that baffles me. And so if we have anybody in church leadership listening to this, any pastors, and, and you want to have the best ministry, it's an investment, absolutely. But you don't have to jump that high to get the best. Well, but I also know a number of pastors who desire that. Yeah. Uh, but they recognize that they don't have the income to be able to do it. So now they're looking at, I've only got a, a, a small pie and I've got a big congregation. How do I go ahead and do it? So now they look at certain things. And I think these things are fair to be examined. Am I going to hire someone with experience? Or am I going to hire someone with a degree? Those are my choices. Because I'm either going to have to get someone who's not educated, but who's been in it for about five years. Or I'm going to go ahead and get someone who's got a degree in it, but has no experience. Because I've only got 32 grand. Yeah. And so I'm going to hire this person at 32 grand. Well, if you had 38 grand, maybe you could get something with both. 45 grand, maybe they're also bilingual. You know what I mean? And so there's all these different pieces, but they're sitting there looking at a variety of things. And I've seen some, especially with Catholic schools attached to the parish and things like that. There's all these expenses going out the door and not the income to match it. And so how do you go ahead and navigate it when there isn't a lot? So this couple that you met, if that's all the parish can pay... What would you advise them? What's your response? Because that's that's a a non livable wage and yeah. unjust. Yeah, based yeah. upon uh, on the work that they do and the expectations. And so, if the if you cannot squeeze water out of a rock, what is your advice to them if their parish situation is the the, the stewardship of the parish is just not in a place where it sustains? The thing is, is I mean, every single one of us finds a way to pay for what we value. I've been reflecting on this or thinking about this, you know, for some time. Um, you don't pay for cable, right? Like you don't have cable TV or do you? I do not. Yeah. No. So if no. anybody, like most people have cable, right? Most parishioners, you know, at your church have cable. I may be wrong about that, but that'd be my guess. Almost everyone in your parish is paying 100, 150 a month for cable and internet, sure. right? Sure. Um, yeah. You know, that's, you know, what? 12, 16,000 a year? No, 1,600, sorry. 1,200 to 1,600 a year. Yes. Right? And if you ask those same people how much they invest in their spiritual life, in their spiritual growth per year, what do you think you would hear predominantly? 
I don't know. It depends <laughs> on what you mean by invest. Do you mean tithe to the parish? No. Or do you mean in no, regards I mean, to items for themselves? Like, so, like, you, you, compare the your... $45. Inter- <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, 50 bucks maybe a year, and, and not even in a, a retreat, in some sort of reading material, something to, I don't know, expand your faith knowledge. That's just, like, we just don't invest in that. But we will invest in Netflix. We will invest in cable. We will invest in a whole bunch of entertainment things. And so, does that mean we value entertainment, you know, over our faith. And I'm going off on a tangent here, I know, but so the parish, a lot of times, and this this kind of ties into Jason Duterman's, <laughs> our last podcast or whenever that was, and when he said, screw yeah. buildings, you know, parishes will invest in buildings at the drop of a hat, right? And, the, and they'll, they'll invest in that, but they won't invest in the ministry. I may be, you know, painting with a broad brush here, but right. that's, that, that's what I see. So I, like my advice to them would be to have the conversations. And we've had these, you, you've had these conversations. I've had these conversations with our pastors every year to say, hey, I was able to do this this past year, but I, I just can't keep doing it at this level. Can the parish invest a little bit more in my salary, in, my, in what I'm doing? We are putting a lot into this. We need to see something coming back in a way, in that way, because it's just not sustainable for our family. So two things. One, you're absolutely right. There should be compensation that honors the people. But I see a lot of pastors that can't, not that don't want to or that won't, but that simply can't. It hurts the most when you uh, have enough knowledge about how the sausage is made, so to speak, that you recognize that it's actually an allocation problem. Yeah. You're like, no, you can't You can't get a raise going from $500 stipend to a $600 a month stipend. Yeah is unacceptable. Yeah. And then and then the candle holders that the the pastor just purchased for the altar are $1800 a piece and he got 6 of them. Like that's 3 years of my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Like it doesn't it doesn't make sense. And so that is when uh when they can but they won't, that's an issue. But you're absolutely right in regards to the Netflix cable analogy. People aren't investing in their faith life or their parish as they are called to or as they should to create the programming and the professionalism that needs to exist in the ministry. And that's the challenge. If your pastor was given a million dollars and you weren't given that extra bump of compensation that, you know, that he told you, I want to, but I can't, Uh then there's an issue. Then there's words to be had. So if the money's there and they're not uh, allocating it in that way, I also think that buildings are important. If evangelization is effective, then we need to have places for people to gather once they're evangelized to continue to be forming them as disciples. Now, does that mean that it's the end all and be all? And I have seen parishes go building poor. We've all seen it happen. Oh, yeah. There's so many different pieces at play. You know, even just the conference that you were at, they were there at that conference. Yeah. And they they paid for their own way to go or did the parish pay for their way to go? So they're being invested. They paid for their own way. I think that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. The, but the parish paid, and that and that's a good thing, and that shows that the parish is investing. I am in. <laughs> I feel like I'm oversimplifying the pastor's job. It's not easy, because not only would he need to raise the compensation of the youth minister, but once you raise that person's compensation, then you have to raise everyone else's compensation. It, you know, don't you? Because if if you're paying one person like a lot more than everyone else, then everyone else is like, hey, wait, what, what's going on? I'd struggle with that. I don't think other people's salaries should be other people's business. True. Do you see what I'm saying? Because an employee is not, it's not apples to apples. Someone with a master's degree, someone with just an undergrad degree, someone with no degree, 
while they might have similar needs, they're not providing similar. There's just a different reality. I also think someone with kids and someone without kids, that that should be considered as well. Sure. And, and canon law would back me up on that. Yeah. And so I think that should be considered. But if every if you have five employees and all five of them are being paid an unjust wage, do you pay two of them a just wage and three of them an unjust wage <laughs> or pay all five of them a less unjust yeah. wage? Yeah. And yeah. I don't know what the right answer is for me that. I, I thank God every yeah. day that I'm not a pastor. <laughs> yeah. I thank God that I'm at, at a parish that has decent stewardship. I thank God that I'm friends with people that talk about God of abundance instead of a God of scarcity like yep. the, 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 the younger, the intern that I want, once was. Because I do not believe that Jesus Christ desires anyone to go hungry. I do yeah. not believe that Jesus Christ desires that couple to get $500 a month. Nope. I know that Christ desires that community to be more stewardship, to be more tithing, more participatory. And that that pastor, his heart might be in the right place. And we don't know. We can't judge. But yeah. if it's not, that he desires that, you know. And the, the bigger picture of it all is that God doesn't want anyone to starve for the sake of the kingdom. Amen. Sacrifice, sacrifice, yes. And there's many ways to sacrifice, so many different ways to sacrifice. But I had a conversation one time in a compensation almost, it was like this year after year after year, I was asking for increased compensation. I was told no, very politely, very pastorally, and in a different way. And uh, got to a conversation where it was like, I can't afford for my kids to be in soccer practice, like to be yeah. to play soccer. Yeah, That's really difficult for me not to be able to have and just like an extra $65 a month to be able to put my kids in soccer. Yeah. And the person said to me, well, in the profession that you've chosen, maybe that's one of the things that gets sacrificed along the way. Wow. And so the people that I serve wow. alongside and the families that I serve, they go ahead and they get to have their kids in soccer. But because I work at the church, I don't. That's a, that's a gross injustice. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that, mentality, that that mentality has permeated uh, aspects of the church breaks my heart. Yep. Because there are no positive fruits from that, even if it keeps everyone in the black a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah, and that's rough. And there was... Mic drop. <laughs> Mic drop. Absolutely. You know, I, it, I laugh because I, I was able to get Dudeman on his box preaching when we had him on, and I just got you on it. So that was awesome. I'm sweating right now, Matt. You have no idea. <laughs> I remember, you know, one time that you uh, you had to actually, like, sell some of your collection of Garbage Pail Kids. I think it was Garbage Pail Kids. Maybe it was baseball cards. So that your daughter could get a cast. Is that right? It wasn't like my daughter just sat there with her leg broken <laughs> waiting for daddy to sell. It's so that we could pay for the cast. Yeah, so, so you could pay for it after it happened. Yes. A little bit of a different storyline. But yeah, and, and I had to. And I ended up pulling it off. And it was great. But I see it on Catholic Youth Ministry Discussion Board on Facebook and stuff like that. It's not, do you have a, a side hustle? It's, what is your side hustle? Yep. And for that to have to be the given... Yeah. There's something about, and we go all the way back to one of our first podcasts on a day of rest and things like that. We shouldn't be mowing someone else's yard, which yeah. I knew a youth minister who did that, oh, yeah. in order to keep the family afloat so that we can stay in ministry. Yeah, That's unfortunate when that happens, and it's all too common that it happens. Yeah. So I don't know what the solution is moving forward. There's like there's so many things that needs to change. And you know, I, I don't know if everybody in the parish started tithing. You know, If everybody in the parish started giving 10%, I don't know what the leadership would do with that money. Right. And maybe they would pay down parish debt so they don't have a note so that they have regular monthly income that they would have been paying to the parish debt. There's so many positive ways to use money. 
but there's some gross, and I think advocacy is another topic that we probably need to talk about because some of it is in our end too. We can't just wag our finger and be like, this is an injustice, shame on them, but shame on us as well yeah. for saying yes to $500 a month. Yeah, but it's so hard, you know, because, I mean, <laughs> we, we love this ministry. Um, and, and like uh, us at Ablaze, we're missionaries, and we do that because we think every parish deserves to have a team of youth ministers, and every minister deserves to be on a team. But not every parish is prepared to or able to pay for a team. So we go out and we fundraise the difference so that the parishes can have a team. So is even that model, are we helping perpetuate the same problem that we're talking about? There's no doubt that every parish that we work in has to invest in youth ministry like they never had before, right? So we're pushing the envelope up, but... Ministry, not just youth ministry. Yes, absolutely. We're pushing that envelope up, but I I wonder if because we are bridging that gap ourselves through personal support raising, we're just not ready to, to wait. Like if we wait for the church to start paying for what the people deserve, then we're going to be waiting a long time, you know, at least... Well, and... Quality ministers lead quality ministries. Quality ministries form disciples. Disciples live and give. Yeah. yeah. And so a, a youth minister or an elementary coordinator or your favorite, the... RCIA coordinator. Dun, 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 dun. Take a drink. <laughs> drink. Um, all, all them are going to be building people, but it might take a few years to see the return on investment because th- these kids got to go through college and then they got to come back to the community and they might come to a different community. Mm-hmm. But we need to be having this this mentality that it's going to take a, probably a generation for this type of kind of thing to kind of turn and transform. But that requires us to continue to move forward and push in the midst of it. Now, uh, we're out of time, but yeah. I just want to acknowledge two things. One, uh, we want to hear from you. Because, number two, we have some blind spots. Yes. Matt and I do not have comprehensive understanding. If you're a pastor and you're listening and you just want to punch us in the face, tell us why. (laughs) Yes. Where's our blind spot? Because I'm trying to look at it from a couple different angles, but there's probably 47 angles that I'm missing. Yep. And, uh, and and if you're a minister that's just a volunteer and you're like, I volunteer because I don't want to have, have money and ministry mixed together, and shame on you guys for considering those two things. Like, maybe you're like, I don't think people should make money off of God. It should all be based upon stewardship of your time, talent, and treasure. And this falls under time. Whatever it is, please, 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 please talk to us. <laughs> Create an email account and send us an email if you need it to be anonymous. Yeah. But I feel like this is one of those opportunities for Ministry Leaders Anonymous to be that roundtable that we desire it to be. You can find us on Facebook, the uh, MLA Podcast uh, Facebook group. That is my favorite way to have these discussions. But if you want to you do it uh, just kind of a one-on-one conversation, MLA at ablazeyouth.org. Please write us a review in iTunes, share this with another ministry leader, and subscribe to the podcast. Here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, you go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week and pray for other ministry leaders. This is a heavy situation. Pray for all aspects of it. And thank you guys for joining us here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous. We will see you next week. God bless. God bless.